Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hi everyone, we are back. January, I won't say the date. 7th. 7th. <laughs> We're just starting the year and we promised we'd be back. We, me and Liz, have been listening to some amazing content. We are psyched. We are psyched not only for the content we want to give you guys because it's helped us tremendously so if it has helped us we are convinced it will help you so we're excited about that but we're also very excited about the direction that god has given thriving on purpose in recent weeks and months uh we didn't tell you guys when we uh did our last episode was it uh, liz beginning of december we did the last one or uh, end of november something like that yeah it's been a long break we didn't tell you guys, but we were kind of giving a, a different direction to our business. Just a slight rebranding, nothing major. We're still called Thriving on Purpose. It still spells top, T-O-P, top. The mountain is still our logo. But we kind of changed our tagline. Instead of the, the, the three words that were um, faith, leadership, and growth, which was kind of like our semi-tagline in the past, we've, we've changed this to digging deeper to climb higher. And it's kind of a cool story how we came up with that. Because as we were thinking about, how, how should we change that? How, what kind of tagline should we have to give a more of a definition of what Thriving on Purpose is about? And I asked Elizabeth, I said, you know, if, if we're going to adapt our branding a little bit more to who we are, I, I need to know who, like, I know who I am, but I don't, like, it's fun to hear it from someone else. So I asked her, it's like, what am I like? She says, well, you're kind of like the Indiana Jones of the Bible. She says, you like to dig. You, you really <laughs> like to dig deep, sometimes annoyingly so. And I said, you know what? I like that. Let's call <laughs> ourselves the annoying ones. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I said, you know, digging, digging, that's really good. Maybe we should find something with, that has digging in it. But then you're like, you know, digging your own grave, not good. You know, so you kind of think about what you can get with digging. Well, digging for nuggets. Okay, nuggets of truth. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So then I came out. It just like fell on me. And I think it was the Holy Spirit. I looked at Elizabeth and I said, I have it. And she goes like, what? I said, get this. Digging deeper to climb higher. And, and I just fell in love with it right away because it's kind of a, a contrary when you're digging, you're not climbing. It's you're, you're going deeper, you're going lower. But at the same time, when you're digging deeper in God's Word, when you're digging deeper in knowledge, in books, in, 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 in good teachings and stuff like that, it does enable you to climb higher. So it's like a, a, a dichotomy between the two, but they go together so well. And Liz, right away, and, and Liz, I've told you that in the past, she's my toughest critic. So if she says something is good, I know it's really, what she means is this is really great and it's going to blow people's minds, you know. So she says, this is really good. 
I'm the one that's always pushing him to climb higher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't need to be pushed to dig deeper. That's true. Climbing higher is more Liz's um, uh, modus operandi. Uh, it's her MO. She likes to climb higher, but I love to dig deeper. So we kind of make a, a fun team that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, guys, as you know, it's January. It's the new year. By the way, we wish you a very, very happy new year. A blessed new year to you, all of our listeners. Happy new year. And, um, you know, as new year comes around, it's pretty much a, something that a lot of people do. They make resolutions. New Year's resolutions. And I used to be one of those. Uh, I used to make resolutions, all kinds of resolutions. It's kind of funny for me because when I entered personal development, that's when I stopped doing resolution <laughs> because I was like all year all I do is work on improving myself so why would I make a resolution on just one day for me it was more like a way of life and I'm hoping it's the same thing for you uh, you are in personal development I don't think you should stop at one day in the year to improve yourself okay and that said that said I want to give you some stats about New Year's resolutions because it's kind of funny uh, how people go like they they charge in the year they're 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 all pumped up in the new year and they're like oh this year this year I'm gonna be it's gonna be different it's gonna be better it's gonna be this and most of the time people don't understand that in order for their year to be better they have to become better so and I hope that's not your case if you're our listener the chances are you're not one of those people but if you are you need to change that you need to understand that if you're gonna have a better year you need to become better you need to be a better you. Exactly, okay. and we hear that um, stated by Jim Rohn a lot. If you want to, if you want to accomplish more, you have to become more. And so, a lot of people hear it, but they don't understand what that means, and they don't have any idea uh, how to apply that to their life. Like, how do you do that? Do you read a ton of books? Do you, uh, you know, you know, make a hundred resolutions? Like, what do you do? So. This podcast is really going to give you some clarity on what that means to become a better you. Yeah, and by the way, the, the title of the podcast is Jonathan Edwards' Resolutions. We're going to get back to Jonathan a little bit later. And the subtitle is very interesting. I chose the, sub, the subtitle, and I think it represents pretty much what we're trying to bring here. New Life's Resolutions versus New Year's Resolutions. They're very different. Because you see, as a believer, you were given new, a new life. So you entered a phase in your life where everything became new. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. And we are called to uh, renew our minds in Romans chapter 12. Renew, the, the renewing of our minds is very important. So all of this entails so much. And before I keep going and I keep ranting and going too far ahead of myself, I want to give you guys some stats okay, on New Year's resolutions. Statistics tell us that 156 million people make New Year's resolutions. On average, I don't know where they get that, but it's probably pretty spot on, I would say. And they also tell us that only 12% among the people who make New Year's resolutions see them through. Now that's 12%. Yikes. So between losing weight, making new friends, traveling more, or going to the gym, we find that for the most part, New Year's resolutions usually end up as failures for 88% among you. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a high 
degree of failure and it's also an indication that maybe new year's resolutions don't work yeah and we did a lot of um research out there to just see you know what's online and every year it's pretty much the same thing that we see there are countless articles online that try to explain why new year's resolutions are such a a failure why they don't work so some say it's because you don't know your why like i heard um a famous podcasters say you have to go behind your why and figure out the why behind the why behind the why <laughs> of why you're doing this so that you actually want to get out of bed and and do what you're doing run your business and accomplish your goals right others say that we simply get overwhelmed uh, we don't have a quality mindset we have a crappy negative mindset we get discouraged that's why we fail and give up Others say it's because the goal is too high, so try to make smaller goals because then you're sure to attain them. And so instead of doing like, I don't know, five big goals or three big goals, they'll do like six little small, small goals. Uh, Some say it's because you didn't plan, you didn't have a good plan, so therefore you're not taking action. All of it is just in your mind. And I'm not saying that all of these things are, are wrong, like there are a lot of good points here. But we want we really want you to see that there's a more to this. We're we're gonna dig deeper, basically. We're gonna dig deeper to climb higher. Exactly. Yeah, we're gonna dig deeper so that you understand better. And the last thing that I've heard is that you're not accountable. So most yeah. people are not accountable. They're gonna say one thing, and that's why you know accountability partners have become so popular. Yeah. Uh, that's why coaches have become so popular because they keep you accountable for the goals that you want to set for yourself, and that's great. But um, we'll discuss the difference between most of the goals that were ta- that are taught and what we're gonna teach you as different goals. Yeah, and like Liz said, these all make sense to explain why resolutions fail in the end. It all makes sense, it's true. However, as believers, I really believe that we should tackle New Year's resolutions differently than people of the world, than those who are not believers, okay? Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, he said, if you don't go within, you will go without. Now that's deep. That's digging deeper. Don't you love love? that? I love that. I love that saying. And I believe it's a very good way for the believer to tackle change, not just on New Year's, but at any time of year, to go within first. And by the way, guys, we're so happy you joined us. We said that in the beginning. And uh, our prayer for you on this new year is that you would, just like uh, 3 John verse 2 says, that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And of course, the title of this episode is Jonathan Edwards' Resolutions. And we are going to talk about his resolutions. He There's a booklet that I, I bought here that I have. It's called Jonathan Edwards' Resolutions. He listed them. He, he wrote them at an early age. And uh, before we dig in uh, these resolutions, by the way, we're not going to go through all the 70, just so you know. Uh, and before we dig in, we, maybe some of you are just not uh, acquainted with who this man was, okay? So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about who Jonathan Edwards is and was. So he was born on October 5th, 1703, and he died on March 22nd, 1758. He was an American revivalist preacher, an amazing philosopher, and a Congregationalist Protestant theologian. 
okay? And this preacher, Jonathan Edwards, ignited the Great Awakening of the 1700s with his Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God sermon. And he is probably best known for that particular sermon. I have a copy of it, of that sermon at home. It's, uh, it's all fire and brimstone, uh, typical of the day, but with power. How can I put this? I, with tremendous power. That sermon had tremendous power and left an undeniable legacy for Jonathan Edwards, for him as a preacher, for him as a revivalist, and for him as a powerful thought leader of the day. Absolutely. And numerous books um, that have been written about his life, his work, his influence on American history, and his powerful professional legacy. Yeah, he was a proficient uh, scholar, proficient author. Uh, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. Right now, I want to tell you the legacy, like Liz mentioned. The legacy of Jonathan Edwards is just amazing. The scholar Benjamin Warfield of Princeton charted the 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards. So he looked at basically as descendants to see what they made of themselves. Here's what he found, okay? He found an incredible testament to Jonathan Edwards. Of his known descendants, there were 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 army and navy officers, 100 pastors, and 60 authors of prominence. There were also three United States senators, 80 public servants in other capacities, including governors and ministers to foreign countries, and one vice president of the United States. Now, when we talk about legacy, and you've heard talk about You've heard us talk about legacy many times during our podcast. That's what we mean. Be so busy building a legacy that you won't be worried about if you have followers or not. <laughs> That's what this man did. So such a legacy doesn't happen by chance. Okay? This incredible legacy is the result of one tremendously disciplined life. Jonathan Edwards made the decision to apply himself to godliness at a very early age. He once wrote his own, I guess you could call it a mission statement, if you will, and here's what he wrote, here's what he said. God's purpose for my life was that I have a passion for God's glory and that I have a passion for my joy in that glory and that these two are one passion. Now, that's a powerful mission statement. Around age 19 or 20, while he was studying at Yale, young Edwards began writing his life's resolutions. And this became his 70 resolutions, which we're discussing today in this podcast, and we will delve into today. Now, you may ask, as you, you, you've heard me mention earlier that he was born in the 1700s, so you may ask the question, why resort to something that was written back in the 1700s in order to help us live our life today? That's an understandable question. It's even, I would say, a very good question. So to answer this question of yours that you may have, I will answer it in three points. Number one, as a rule, I prefer learning from those who build civilization than from those who enjoy its fruit. In other words, I like old books, so sue me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Edwards lived in a, in a very remote time back in the 1700s. Uh, he lived between uh, October 17, uh, 1703 and March 1758. Ben Franklin discovered electricity in 1752, so that puts us in context. And America declared its independence in 1776, um, roughly 20 years late after Edwards died. So these were revolutionary times in the U.S., when Edwards was an influencer. So keep in mind that Edwards at the time was a man of great influence, okay? So today he might be foreign to you, but back in the day, he was among the, the top thought leaders. Number two, contrary to today's personal development teachers, Edwards's efforts centered on a higher degree of the mostly forgotten value of godliness over everything else. So unlike today's tendency, they weren't overly focused on outward productivity, but mostly on inward riches. Okay? Edwards goes inward. Hey, it rhymes. Huh, cool. Okay, Edwards goes inward. <laughs> he chooses to build up his character from within rather than set goals exterior to himself and I'm, I'm talking generally speaking here because I, I also know and I read about Edwards that he enjoyed um, doing one hour of physical activity every day to work up a good sweat he thought it was important to keep his body sharp also and I don't recall reading that in his resolutions but maybe it's there anyway um, uh, and another parenthesis I want to make uh, today we're going to go only through 15 of those resolutions that we handpicked okay there are 70 in all, and I have some really, really good news for you. You will be able to download the PDF on this very page where the episode will be posted. Right, Liz? Yeah, on thrivingonpurpose.com, on the podcast tab, episode 28 on the bottom, I'll put a link that you can click on to get your PDF so that you can have all 70 of them and get great ideas uh, on what you'd like to, to use as a resolution. I think this will be very helpful. Number three is Edward's life results and contributions speak for themselves. So he's considered to be one of the greatest and most influential American philosophers and theologians. He was accepted into the Yale College when he was just 13 and graduated as the head of his class four years later. He also served as president of Princeton just before his death. Yeah, just before his death, uh, maybe a month or so before his death, they, they ba basically begged him to, to take up the office, and he didn't want because of his ill health. And um, they, be they begged him to, to become president of Princeton and uh, because they, they, they just loved him so much. They thought he, he could bring so much to, uh, to their budding school. Also, Edwards wrote an astonishing number of books on a variety of subjects. If one were to go to Yale's online collection of Edwards's works, they would find 73 volumes listed. 73 volumes. While many of these volumes contain his sermons, the literary output Edwards produced is nothing short of astonishing. While there are many that one could cite, perhaps the best-known works of Edwards today include Religious Affections, A Personal Narrative, the Nature of True Virtue, and A History of the Work of Redemption. These works, covering the nature of true conversion, autobiographical details, ethics, and a theology of scripture, 
and all of history respectively are the tip of the iceberg when it comes to all that Edwards wrote. Pretty impressive. He was, and last but not least, he was chief instrument of God during what is called the Great Awakening of the 1730s and 40s. Now, this is something you, you guys will find interesting. During his famous 1741 sermon titled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, during that sermon, members of his congregation cried and pleaded and some even fainted. That's how powerful the sermon was. They pleaded for salvation. They would throw themselves on their knees and cry and ask Edwards to pray for their soul. Now, and, and I want to emphasize here that it's not just the fact that Edwards was talking about fire and brimstone. What you need to understand is that was the power of God moving through Edwards. Edwards was so completely obsessed with holiness that God used him as a choice instrument of his grace to save people. And how do I know this? Very simple. You know how today we have amazing speakers, right? When you got like a Tony Robbins that thunders on stage at six foot seven, is it six seven or six nine anyway? And he goes like, all those who hear me, all those who agree, say I. And everyone says, I. Everyone says, it's like you can't say no if you say Or T.D. Jakes. <laughs> or T.D. Jakes with his thunderous uh, big chest and like thunderous voice. Or John Maxwell with his wit and humor. I mean, we have amazing speakers. And here's what you need to understand about Jonathan Edwards. He would show up to the pulpit with his notes. And he would read like this. Kind of like a funeral director. So today I'm going to talk to you about the love of God. And here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> so Edwards was not what we would call a gifted orator. Okay, he was not a gifted speaker. But the power of God was invested in him, in his person. And it just, the preaching, the word, when they were, they came out of his mouth did the work that they were supposed to accomplish. As a result, people cried, wailed, begged for God's forgiveness, and even fainted. <laughs> so that's just to, that's just to show you, uh, on the one hand, the power of God, the power of a life invested in God, what God can do through a life that's fully invested in Him. But also, on a certain, on the other hand, how much we give credence and importance to being a great speaker or being a great orator. Listen to, listen to me. If you are fully sold out to God, He will take your weaknesses and work them into strengths. And exactly. won't, you won't have to worry about, was I good? Was I, did I do it correctly? Did I do, or, or was that too low? Was that too high? Was it too... Exactly. You become a vessel that He can use. And, and that, he equips you with what you need. And that was the proof. That was the proof. So enough said about the sinners in the hands of an angry God. Hey guys, if you want to read that, I encourage you to go and read it online. It's all over, like all over the web. Just write "sinners in the hands of an angry God" on Google, and it'll bring you to any place where you can read it. It's pretty powerful. It, it's, it see, like yeah, God is mad at sin, and at the cross, it really showed. <laughs> the whole wrath of God was on uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, there, there's even a, 
a preacher who once said, and I thought he was right on, when he says, you know, when, you're, when you say you're saved, what are you saved from? People tend to answer, from my sin. No, no. You are saved from the anger and the wrath of an almighty and perfect God. That makes you see things in a different light, doesn't it? And that's what was on Christ at the cross, and that's what we're saved from. Pretty amazing stuff. Anyway, I don't want to go all uh, theological all here. So now um, I'm going to talk about uh, the types of resolutions that we traditionally make. Okay, so the, the ones that we tend to do and that I have done in the past as well. And we're not saying these are bad things. We're just giving you an example of what what I call f more physical resolutions that uh, we traditionally do. Okay, so we'll ask. We'll tend to go for things like double business revenues. So that this year, this year I'm going to double my business revenue. Exactly. Uh, this year I'm going to get more online reviews. So I'm going to work hard at getting reviews for my book, for example, or quit smoking, quit drinking. I'm going to lose weight, spend more time with friends and family, read more books, eat more healthy food or stop eating junk food, learn to play an instrument, learn a new language, learn a new skill like social media marketing, uh, uh, meet new people. Maybe you're not social enough to, to your liking, so you want to meet new people. Maybe you want to travel more, do more vacations. So those can be all different goals that you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and these are all good things in themselves. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of what Liz just listed, okay? So I just want to make that clear. And if you did make a resolution about that, I don't want to derail you. That's a, it's a good thing. They're all of these things we, we just uh, listed, are go they're all good. There's only one little problem with them. They do not contribute much to your faith and your walk with God, from which will come true and lasting growth and results in your life. Okay, so these resolutions that we just listed, they are for the most part, like Liz said, exterior to yourself. They are outward goals. Okay, and when we work on our character, when we make the resolution, when we take a resolution to say, I'm going to work on my character instead, these other resolutions, like losing weight or quit smoking or make friends, usually take care of themselves. You see, a strong moral character, seasoned with the pursuit of God, will enable you to accomplish so much more every year than anything that is done outwardly in your own strength as a New Year's resolution. Okay, let me repeat that. A strong moral character, seasoned with the pursuit of God, will enable you to accomplish so much more every year than anything that is done outwardly in your own strength as a New Year's resolution. So, like I mentioned earlier, we picked 15 from Jonathan Edwards' uh, 70 resolutions. And as we go through the 15 that we're going to talk about today, you're going to see to what depth this man of God desired to go. And this, as we mentioned also earlier, it goes very, very well with the values we espouse here at Thriving on Purpose, which are best summed up by our tagline, Digging Deeper to climb higher. And Edwards dug deeper. He was a very, very deep man, okay? I can only wish to be a third as deep as he was, okay? And as I read through Edwards's resolutions, I realized that any one of those is not only a challenge, but would actually contribute a great deal to building up godly character. So as we go through them together, you might find yourself wanting to make some of these resolutions your own. And whether you choose one of them to emulate 
or 35, or you want to go with all 70, we applaud you for it. Personally, I would go with one or two. I think 70 might be a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> but still, we applaud you. I was blessed to find a website that posted the resolutions in modern English to make them easier to grasp because Edwards wrote in an older English, which is most of us are not familiar with. So it's kind of hard. And I found a website, and uh, it will be that website will be listed in the document, the PDF. If you guys want to go get the PDF to have all 70 resolutions and a, a, a basically a summary of what we're talking about today. So we're ready, and we want to dig in. So Liz is going to be reading the resolutions, and we're going to comment after. Okay, so the way he, it's very interesting because the way in his, in his book he writes, he says resolved. So in his mind, there is no try. It's a decision that he's already made and it is resolved. I like how you say this. There is no try. You do or do not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so it's really interesting because he's already determined and it's already resolved. So every one of these resolutions starts with resolve. So I th what I think is, is, is interesting here is like, instead of saying, I make the resolution of, no, he says, this is resolved. In other words, it's a done deal. I am going back on my decision. It's resolved. Exactly. Or like a lot of people say, I will try to hit the gym yeah. twice a week. Yeah, you will fail. That's what's going to happen. If you, if you will try, you will fail. <laughs> I will do it two weeks and it's over. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, the first one is, I will do whatever I think will be most to God's glory and my own good, profit, and pleasure for as long as I live. I will do all these things without any consideration of the time they take. Resolved to do whatever I understand to be my duty and will provide the most good and benefit to mankind in general. Resolved to do this whatever difficulties I encounter, and no matter how many I experience or how severe they may be. Wow. Just that one, guys. If you want to take that one and run with it this year, you're, you could potentially change the world. I mean, just take the meat that is in that one resolution. Yeah. It's astounding. So basically what he's saying is, with all of the strength of my will, I will do everything in my own power, according to, God, to what strength God will give me, to do what will provide the most good to mankind in general. Wow. It's like, this is saying like, okay, I'm going to be a vessel for God. I'm going to, whatever he wants me to do, I will do. I will not. Uh, for God's stray glory. For, yeah, for yeah. God's glory. I will not stray from it. Whatever difficulties I encounter, I'll keep trying and doing. And no matter how severe it gets, I will make... It's basically a life's purpose. It's like saying, I will give myself as a sacrifice, you know? That's like saying, my life will become a sacrifice for the betterment of mankind. Mm. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Powerful stuff. I told you guys it was deep. Now, that's just number one. That's just number one, okay? But it's a whopper. <laughs> i got to admit, it's a whopper, this one. Okay, so number five is never lose one moment of time but seize the time to use it in the most profitable way I possibly can. Wow, again. Uh, and just a little parenthesis here. So Liz said number five, because we're following the order in which they were written, okay? So obviously that's the second one we mentioned on the podcast, but we go with the numbers in which they are listed in the text. So if you want to uh, refer to them or if you jot them down and you want to find them again in the document later on when you print it out, 
you'll know where to go. Exactly. So that's number five. Basically, he's saying, look, I don't want to waste any time in idle activity. So every minute of every day, every second of every day, I want to make sure that my time is used to the greater glory of God and not wasted on useless stuff. Exactly. That's another great one. You do that. You, you, let's just say, let's say that would be your resolution this year. Can you imagine how much your year would be different from last year's? Just that. It's amazing. Yeah, and there's so many resources out there for time management. Michael Hyde does some. Um, Brian Tracy's a pro at that. Exactly, that you can do uh, just, you know, go on YouTube and write time management. You're going to get like a truckload of videos on that to give you ideas of how to better use your time and maximize your day. So the sixth one is resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Wow. Again, to live with all my might while I do live. Hold nothing back. Embrace life fully. Treat it as a tremendous gift and live my life fully while I do live. Exactly. So number nine, resolved to think much on all occasions about my own dying and of the common things which are involved with and surround death. You're going to be like, why did you write that as a resolution? Here's why I wrote that, okay? Because we live in an age where we want to distract ourselves from our own death. Everything is about distracting yourself, entertain yourself, don't think about death, think about life, life, life. And yet, there's just something about being conscious daily of your own mortality that enables you to live fully. I think they both go hand in hand. I was amazed. Uh, I, I told that story before in another podcast, but I was amazed one day. I was sitting with uh, two ladies. They were in their 70s. And we were having a conversation, and uh, and I was uh, saying how, uh, as a as a person, as a Christian, I often thought about my own mortality. And they, I was maybe I don't know, thirty five at the time or something. They looked at me as if I was an alien who just barfed on their meal. I mean, it was just like, what? And they were in their seventies, and they're like, what? You're thirty five, and you think about that? I was like, well, yeah, don't you? And they said, I just started thinking about that maybe a couple years ago. I never thought about that in my whole life. So that means these ladies, and both of them were in agreement there, that they lived their whole life. And they were not believers, okay? So they weren't Christians. So I don't want to crucify them. You know, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> but they just never thought about their own mortality. And I think there's just something beneficial in thinking about the fact that, hey, you won't be here forever. So better make every day count. Exactly. There is a, an expiry date. There's an expiry date. <laughs> and you don't date. know when it's going to happen. And it's so. a surprise. It's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. And, you know, not to be negative, but, we, you know, when you do think about that and you realize that you may not have, you know, all the years that you want to accomplish, the goals that you want to, to do and the things that you want to accomplish for, for God, that, you know, he has a purpose intended for you. And you really want to do, when you have this thought in your head that you have to accomplish this purpose, then you realize that, you know, you don't have that many years to do this. And you want to fulfill it and you want to help 
others and you want to do it for as much time as as you can but you don't know how long that's going to last if you're not aware of death if you're not thinking about it ever then you just you know are moving like a turtle you just you know okay eventually i'll get this done eventually like there's nothing pressing you to move faster and next thing you know you wake up and you're like wow I haven't done anything for 10 years. Yeah, and also... And that's what happens. Like, the middle life crisis, that's exactly what happens to people. Yeah. They're like, wow, I'm 40 and I've done nothing, you know, that betters betters anyone's life. I'm not making a difference. No one really cares if I'm gone. Yeah, and, you know? and you bring up a good point. But also on, this, on the same token, I think when you think about your own death, you become more... Uh, aware of other people's own death as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you become more aware of other people who will die... Guess what it does when it comes to sharing the gospel and talking about God? It gives you more of a sense of urgency. You know, this person that's here in front of me today might not be there tomorrow. You know, uh, recently a, a friend of mine that, that I work with uh, had a heart attack and uh, made me realize the urgency of sharing the gospel with him. And, uh, and that's the way it is, right? When you become more aware of other people's mortality, your own, it gives you more of a ch- sense of urgency to share God with other people. Exactly. Number 13, to be endeavoring to discover worthy objects of charity and liberality. So what does that mean? Basically, what it means is Edwards was always like a predator when it came to finding people to whom he could give to. People or causes he could generously give to and contribute either time or money to. So he's like a... um, do-gooder predator. It's like, who can I help today? How can I help today? Uh, who can I bless today? What ministry can I uh, give to today? That's the way he was approaching charity and liberality. Number 15, resolved. Never to suffer the least emotions of anger about irrational beings. <laughs> this one makes me laugh. <laughs> Never to suffer the least emotions of anger about irrational Beings. So basically what Edwards is saying is if you encounter someone who's stupid, don't get mad. Don't get angry at stupid people. It's not worth it. <laughs> but he wrote it in such a way that you know, it sounds so polite and proper. And yet at the same time, that's basically what it means. When you meet someone who's irrational, who says that 2 plus 2 is 5 or 3, don't become angry at those people. To try to prove your point. I've met a lot of people that just have to prove their point. Yeah. In French, we have an expression that says, uh, c'est pas nécessaire de perdre la raison pour avoir raison, which means basically don't lose your reasoning in order to be proven right. You, you know, it just doesn't, make, it doesn't go together. So you meet, you're going to meet, and you're going to meet lots of these people. And that's fine. That's part of life. That's the spice of life. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to meet a lot of these people. And, the last thing that you must do with these people is get mad, angry, or even in some cases, correct them. Don't even waste your time with that. Like if, if you see you're dealing with an irrational being, don't even waste your time in trying to correct them. Exactly. Number 16, resolved. Never to speak evil of anyone, except if it is necessary for some real good. Again, that's very interesting. Don't speak evil of anyone except if it is necessary for some real good. And that must be a very rare exception. Okay, I know some people, some people would be like reading this and say like, 
well, I know so-and-so and so and they're part of the exception. No, no, shut it. Come on. Seriously? No, no, no. That's going to be only in a, on rare occasions where you will know that it's for the greater good to speak ill of someone, that it's going to be, bring more good than, than ill for some reason. That's going to be only on rare occasions. Like in maybe life. in a court case when you have to say the truth about something. That's a good example. And, and at very rare occasions will it bear any kind of fruit. Exactly. So uh, resolve never to speak evil of anyone. He could have left it at that. That would have been fine. But he added that other part because there are rare exceptions, exceptions. where it might actually do some good. Number 20, resolved. To maintain the wisest and healthiest practices in my eating and drinking. Bam. There you have it. All of you folks who, who did that as a resolution to lose weight, that's one resolution that you could just do for your life and it would bear the fruit of losing weight. Because what he's saying basically is to never eat out overindulge. of eat, overindulge, eat out of gluttony or drink out of gluttony. So if you if you don't overindulge, normally, normally, you're going to maintain an adequate weight. Okay? So, he says the healthiest practices in my eating. So he's also talking about wisest and healthiest practices. So he's talking go. about the choice in food he's eating as well. Exactly. Because Edwards was very conscious that his body was the temple of the Holy Spirit, as we must all be right. as believers. And I must confess that I, I feel like that sometimes. You know, I, oftentimes I, I eat stuff that I shouldn't. And Liz has to pick up the pieces. We all, yeah, we all fall, we all <laughs> then, fall into then that. I, then I get it's kind a of headache hard. or something and she's like, oh no, I'm stuck with the three kids. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like it's hard sometimes, you know, we tend to eat more of something that we really enjoy. Right. So we have to be conscious of that and try to make healthier decisions and not overindulge. I think that a lot of people, um, you know, tend to think like if that's going to be their last meal, <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's true. It's like, I'm never going to eat pizza again. Especially in the holidays, right? We just went through the holidays and that's a period of time when people really overeat. When am I going to eat turkey again? So I have to have a second plate or whatever. Anyways, those are just examples, but it's really hard sometimes to accomplish. But if we try to use this as a resolution, it is a wise resolution because obviously it will eliminate the problems of losing weight, right? And Maybe heart attacks and what else, whatever else. <laughs> so number 22 is resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the world to come as I possibly can. To accomplish this, I will use all the strength, power, vigor, and vehemence, even violence I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. So you see, Edwards is saying, I want to amass treasure in heaven, okay? I don't want to amass treasure on earth, where moth destroys and rust destroys and thieves break in and seal, like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, but I want to amass treasure in heaven. So, in order to do this, okay, I will use all of the strength, the power and vigor and vehemence, even violence I'm capable of, or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. Uh, that comes down to when Jesus says, if your right eye is a uh, uh, preventing you from entering heaven, then tear, tear it out. And, or, or if your right arm, or your right hand, cut it off. So in other words, he was saying like, do yourself violence in order to live a godly life. That's what Edwards was willing to do. He took that passage and he said, I'm going to make that 
So what does that look like in today's world? Ooh, good question. Uh, I, I, I would I would think it doesn't look much different than what it did back in Edwards's day, really. You know, no ill speaking of people, always watching your tongue, watching the company you keep, uh, making sure you live a godly life by not overindulging, uh, by not looking twice on a, like Job said, on a virgin. Uh, I mean, stuff like that, that is stuff keeping your, your way pure. Okay. Just and the way to do that is obviously meditating on God's word day and night, right? Right. Number six, uh, twenty-six. Sorry, resolved to oust away anything I find that diminishes my assurance of God's love and grace. I thought that was very powerful because Elizabeth and I these days are are um, doing some studying about God's goodness in in the scriptures. Uh, and we've really become convinced that God is good all the time. And I know it's a cliche in Christian living. and God is good. And the other one person says all the time. Yeah, we say that all the time, but we don't really fully understand it. And Edwards really wanted to stay assured of God's love. And every thought that came to his mind that contradicted that, he would cast away. He said, no, that is not of God. That thought is not of God. And just like, get rid of it. Get rid of it because I know that God loves me and I know that God has only love and grace for me. So he, he would he would um, keep his mind, his head on his shoulders, his head straight in uh, in that way. He wouldn't have any corrupt thinking about his creator and his, uh, the, the, his redeemer. Exactly. He would get rid of all the doubts that come in his mind. That, exactly. That, because sometimes life circumstances yeah. can bring us to doubt of God's love. I mean, let's face it. Sometimes we live through difficult times, difficult things, difficult circumstances that make us doubt. And the enemy loves those moments where he just like piles mm -hmm. it on and then you start doubting of God's true love in that moment. And that's when you fall into uh, corrupt thinking. Exactly. So number 28, resolved to study the scriptures so steadily and so constantly and so frequently that it becomes evident, even obvious to myself, that my knowledge of them has grown. So basically, this is Edwards' way of saying personal growth will be done for me through constantly absorbing, studying, and meditating on scriptures. So he made it uh, a resolution to always grow in the knowledge of God's word. Right. Make that a part of his life. Number 37, resolved to inquire every night as I am going to bed where I may have been negligent, what sin I have committed, and how I have denied myself. I will also do this at the end of every week, month, and year. So that's basically uh, self-awareness, uh, uh, making yourself accountable to how you conduct your life. So every night, he says he does it every night, he looks at the day he just went through and looks where he might have committed, you know, a, sin. committed a sin or, or just uh, used his tongue in the wrong way by using the wrong words, saying bad things or whatever, or offending people, or was he negligent? Whatever he has done that might have uh, kept him from the holy path that God has for him. He does that every night, every week, every month, and every year. Uh, exactly, which is good practice. Good practice for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Number 52, resolved. I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would live if they were to live their lives over again. So, 
resolved that I will live just as I can imagine I shall wish I had done, supposing I live to old age. So what he's basically saying is oftentimes, and it's true, I mean, this is still going on today. We hear people uh, in their old age talk about, oh, I wish I'd done this differently. I wish I'd done that differently. And so basically he's saying, look, I don't want to be one of these old people. And I'm not criticizing you if you're older and already you've done that. And but for Edwards, this was something that he didn't want when he would grow old, have too many regrets. He wanted to make sure that he would live daily in such a way that at the end of his life, he would look back and say, you know what? I wouldn't do pretty much and I wouldn't do anything different. I'm very proud of the way I've lived so far. It hasn't been perfect, but looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. That's, I think, the best way to live, right? Absolutely. And you know, like when we were talking about the difference between the physical resolutions and these new life resolution, working on your character, on your righteousness, on your godliness, all these different ideas of how you can apply these things to your life makes you to have a good character and a, become a better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother. And, you know, down 10 years down the road, you know, applying some of these things in your life will make you into something better. Mm. And, you know, nobody on their deathbed is going to say, oh, I was, it was such a great thing for me to lose 20 pounds. And I'm so glad I did that during my lifetime. And, you know, like, that's a difference, you know, working these types of resolutions make a difference so that when one day you do, you know, I don't know, however you would pass away, but I'm just saying like you're at the end of your life, you look back at these moments and at these years and you say, wow, you know, I've come a long way. Yeah. I'm glad that, you know, from where I started and where I'm at now, I feel like I, there's a sense of accomplishment of of what I brought to the world and what I've become and what I've left as a legacy and what my family thinks of me, you know, all those things are important. They matter more than the physical other goals that we were mentioning that are mostly revolved around yourself and don't really affect anybody else. And, and these other goals, like we mentioned before, I think they're a byproduct of building up godly character. I, I think if you really focus on building up godly character daily, these other goals that we tend to set for New Year's, these other resolutions that we tend to have, making more friends or traveling more, which requires more money, which requires more success, all these things will be byproducts, I believe, of building up that godly relationship with God and godly character and, and endeavoring to work yourself from within. Exactly. Number 67, resolved, after afflictions, to inquire in what ways I am now the better for having experienced them. What good have I received by them? What benefits and insights do I now have because of them? Now, that's a powerful one. Um, just that would make one heck of a resolution. Right. Because every year we have either moments or tribulations or that, that, that last a bit longer than moments or, or difficulties and all kinds of trials. Every year we have those. And uh, if we're able to sift, take all all the good that comes from it. In hindsight, it often happens in hindsight because when you're in it, you, you don't, don't see, see it. it. Yeah. But afterwards, being able to reflect and look back and being able to 
gain from that. You know, John Maxwell says, uh, people tend to say that experience has value. He says, no, experience has no value. Evaluated experience has value. Yeah, he's a big teacher of reflecting and, and really thinking about uh, what you could change and, uh, you know, what you've gone through and how you can make it better, the, the you know, any downfall or any experience that's negative, how you can get the good, l- get from, that. The good from that and, and see how you can change things and how how it affected you in a certain way and, and how you can make it better in your and, life. And that requires two things, uh, humility and also uh, wisdom, which we often lack, which we can ask God to give us. So, Lord, what, what can I learn from this experience? What, what can I learn yeah. from this hardship that you just made me go through? Thank, and I thank you that I'm out of it now, but what, I, want to, I want to understand what this has brought to my life and what value and um, what I can do with this exactly now. because you can go through your life and at 75 and haven't got gotten any wiser because you've never stopped and reflected on evaluated experiences on go. the things that life has shown you that you learn from um, makes you wiser when you stop and think about them and see how you can modify things or change learn from them and see the good in certain things even if it's hard sometimes so the last one is number 70, resolved. Let there be something of benevolence in all that I speak. So again, great resolution to have. To say, like, if you were going to say uh, this year, and everything that I'm going to say has to have uh, some positive. I don't want to speak negative. I don't want to speak anything negative. If I have something bad to say about someone, I'm just going to shut up. If I have something good, I'm going to say it. You know, if you were just to resolve that, if I was just to resolve that, then I'm to come to think of it, <laughs> it would change my life. It would change your life. It's a really, really good way to speak, to only speak good things. That help and uplift people help and, that and uplift. do good to somebody. Yeah, and you bless. know, And sometimes, you know, it can be a small thing. It could be, you know, that you're getting a coffee and you see that the lady's really stressed out and she's new and, and you just compliment on her, you know, trying to do her best and that you know there's no stress and I've done that many times when I see the person's just like stressed out and everybody's looking at them and they just feel like you know they just want to crawl under the cash and you just kind of you know ease it up and say hey no problem no rush and you know you you're doing the best you can and whatever you know just like something positive and the person all of a sudden just stops and goes okay I can breathe now and then yeah, sometimes it's it happy and has much. a smile. You sometimes know? it doesn't take much. Uh, and see a person stressed out, you just say, hey, you have really nice shoes today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm or, kidding. I'm just or joking. it's something, you know, that you see a quality in a person and, you know, you, you mention it and it uplifts them. It's just a nice thing to do. You have a nice smile when you're stressed. You know, you can say that. <laughs> I'm joking. It. I'm going to stop it. So there you have it, folks. We, we took out 15 of them. Uh, 15 of Jonathan Edwards' 70 resolutions, which you can download, and I hope you will, on our website for episode 28, the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. Just go at the bottom and click. What is it? What are they going to click? Let's download. Yeah, the download, download button. The Just pop in your email and you'll get it sent in your inbox. Yeah, there you go. And I encourage you to do so. It's really something to read. It's very beneficial to your soul to read stuff like that because we don't read stuff like that anymore nowadays. We, we, we read some other stuff. There's other stuff that's good. Uh, but like I said earlier, I like reading uh, from people who built civilization rather than those who enjoy its fruit. So in my opinion, the depth and scope of these resolutions 
put to shame many of the motivational garbage of our day. And let's be honest, there's a lot of motivational BS out there today. Mm-hmm. You have to sift through to find the, 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 the good from the bad, right? And uh, we here at Thriving on Purpose, we believe them not to be only attitudes to be emulated, but we also believe that these resolutions are timeless, even though they were written hundreds of years ago. We still believe they, they are good today. And we also believe they are universal. Wherever you may live in the world, they are good for anyone living in the jungle, living in the city, living in the country, living in other countries. It works for every human being. So let me ask you a question as we end this podcast. Did you, at the beginning of this year, make an outward resolution? Or are you, like our friend Jonathan Edwards, inwardly resolved? The choice is yours, and so will be the results. So concluding this podcast, we really hope that this is going to help you become a better version of yourself, start strong, build a great foundation for 2019, to make an impact, to build a legacy for years to come. So we hope that this podcast has really helped you to do that. And um, It's great know. to be back, guys. We're so happy to be back. Exactly. So this year, we're going to really be helping you to dig, dig deeper, to climb higher so that you have that um, success, that legacy, and that you're closer to God and you build a life and business that you love. So as always, be blessed and thrive on. Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.